Were y'all not just blown away by the music we had today? Give everyone a round of applause, come on. I mean, what diversity of gifts were on display, from the handbells to, I don't know if you saw the little change out here on the drums, but we've got some, some newcomers coming in, a little extra help on the vocals. Uh, just a great diversity of talent. I was kind of adding up in my head, nearly 20% of the congregation participated in the music today. Yes, thank you. I love when people use their God-given gifts to worship God. And that was just the music I talked about. We've had others teaching Sunday school today, counting offering. I mean, if you've got five fingers, you're willing to do that job. You are qualified. And we've got all these people that have put in effort to make service today, to make worship, to make study, to make all that come together. It is great to see how everything goes. And the more and more hands that are involved, the bigger the snowball gets. And one of these days, it's just going to take off down that hill and it'll be uncontrollable. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for sharing your time. Uh, as you know, we have been studying through the entire New Testament. And we've been working on a chapter a day. And I'm grateful for those of you who have taken up this challenge to join us. If you, are, if you have not done that, please consider doing so. I'm not going to make you go back and, and catch up on all the reading plans. You should have noticed a different color version of this. This is the bookmark that helps you keep track of where you've read. March is coming soon. It's a new do-over. If you haven't been participating, go ahead and start. There's always time to go back and read parts of the Bible you haven't missed. And guess what? This, this first set is through the Gospels. If you didn't get it in Matthew, you're going to get some of it again in Mark. So you're really not missing anything. It's the story of Jesus and the good news of him coming to earth and what that means. But it has been an incredible uh, time to read Scripture with you. You know, I, I get more comments on, Preacher, I'm curious what you're going to do today than I had before because you know where I'm going. You know, we're, we're not quite a liturgical church where I'm running through uh, the scripture every three years with the lectionary text and all that kind of stuff, but this has been fun to do together. Today, you know, we made it to Matthew chapter 24. It is the Olivet discussion that he has, basically named after uh, the Mountain of Olives where this takes place. And Jesus is answering a question to his disciples. But before we get into the sermon text today, uh, I want to recognize our Gideon that was here for, for Kenneth sharing his testimony. Um, sometimes we hear these stories and see how this impacted things way away, and, and we don't really see the burden on our own heart to participate in things like giving out Bibles and things like that. Well, there was a man by the name of Craig Rochelle. Some of you may know him. Um, some of you may not. When he was in college, he kind of got in trouble. He was a member of a, a frat that was known to push the envelope, and, and their frat got in trouble over some wild party they threw or something like that. I don't remember all the details. Um, but as a PR, he was the, the vice chair, vice president, whatever you call that position. As a PR stunt to kind of get a better rec, uh, image of their fraternity, he had the idea of let's have a Bible study. 
You know, he had been to church as a kid, but he wasn't really a Christian. But he thought, you know, if they're saying how sinners we are and all this kind of stuff, maybe a, a Bible study will show we're trying to do better with ourselves. And, and begrudgingly, all the other members had different ideas on why this was a bad idea for them to do. But he stayed to his guns. And, and they said, all right, we'll, we'll do one Monday night, whatever it was. And then that morning on his way to class, that Monday of the Bible study, he realized, I don't have the most important element of a Bible study. Guess what that was? A Bible. You kind of have to have a Bible. And, and uh, on his way to class, you know, he was kind of fussing. He was like, where am I going to get a Bible today? And there happened to be a gentleman dressed up in a suit. Standing there and said, son, can I give you a Bible today? He said later he found out it was the Gideons and, and all that, but he was like, how did this guy know I needed a Bible? And there he was. Now, one, one need met another. He had the Bible. He said that night uh, they, they had their first Bible study. He said, so they didn't know how to do a Bible study because none of them were, were church people. And he said, out of the whole group, only one other brought a Bible with them, so at least somebody had one. And they said, so how do we do it? Well, so well, I guess we just start in the beginning and just start reading and see where it takes us. And then so they turn over to Matthew 1, because that's the Gideon Bible, it starts there. And, and they start reading it and they go, I bet this is the Jesus that they talk about at Christmas. And so they, they go through and they have that study. And they said it was horrible. They even tried to close in prayer. And it was, it was the, the most sacrilegious prayers that you ever heard. But this was what they were coming from. They said, you know, Lord, please pray my girlfriend's not pregnant. You know, please keep me safe as we go out partying this weekend so we make it home. He said, you know, that was horrible. Well, let me continue his story. Well, that night he went home and he started reading that Bible. He read and he read and he realized, first he realized, did they kill Jesus twice? Because he got to Mark. Surely they didn't kill him three times. And then he realized that they were now uh, the same story with different perspective. But as he got through uh, some of the letters of Paul, he finally realized that he needed Jesus in his life. And he prayed the best he knew how. Uh, he got involved with different people that, that were into it. And he really changed his life and became a believer through that one effort and through a party and college guy. Well, now let's bring it home today. Raise your hand if you own a smartphone or a tablet. So we just have nearly 100% and the ones who didn't raise their hand probably weren't listening. Do you have an app on your phone called YouBible? So a good many of you do. It's a free app. It's got all these translations of the Bible. All right, so this Greg Rochelle, this guy who had the party scene back there, he goes on to become a pastor. And he pastors a church called Life.Church. You can tell it's a very trendy church that's um, for, you know, that, that hip new crowd. There's a lot of technology. They do a lot of broadcasting their services. And they have a huge audience that is just by Internet only. Now, he'll admit that sometimes you've got to have community, but they have avenues for that and things like that. Um, but as his church grew, that started in a basement. Um, they now have multiple campuses. They have a broad audience. They hired a guy. He was from the IT market. And he felt God called him into ministry, but coming as a second career person myself, I can kind of understand sometimes getting into ministry is not exactly what you were thinking it was going to be, and he struggled. For the first two years, he was ready to hang up his towel because what he was doing didn't seem to have any effort, didn't seem to have any impact, and it seemed like he was driving more people away from church than he was bringing in. 
And so he had this conversation with his staff and he said, well, what does God burden you? And he said, well, I always kind of wanted to do this app for this Bible thing. And so they had this discussion and out of that church, this guy who was about to wash out of ministry changed his emphasis and developed this Bible app that many of you now have. In this Bible app, they decided that God has blessed us with all these resources, with all these people, because they were already thousands of people in congregation now. So they had the money. They said, instead of charging for this, let's distribute it free. And so for those now in the United States and around the world that have access to these technologies, these phones, there's a free app that you can download on multiple platform, platforms. It's made available for you because a Gideon took his time to stand on a corner to hand a young college kid a Bible. So if you want to look at all the connections in life, you can see that. Now you may look up Craig Rochelle and listen to some of his sermons and you may not like them because they're very uh, trendy oriented, they're topical based. But it is founded in the scriptures. And so as we see as we read the scriptures that everything is interconnected. There's all these connected pathways from the beginning of time until when Jesus comes to call his bridegroom home. And as we read through the scriptures this week, we started from last week, the, the, the mountain of transfiguration. Literally, the disciples had this mountaintop experience. They saw Jesus transfigured before their eyes. And coming down, we know that they have uh, run into the other disciples who had not been invited to this experience. Only those in his inner circle were there. And they were trying to use their authority that Jesus had bestowed on them to, to cast out this demon, this, this uh, epileptic uh, disease that this child had had. And they couldn't do it. But Jesus does it. Does it for them. Now, I'm not going to go into too much depth on what we covered this week. I really hope if you haven't read this week, you go back and just see what you missed. But there's a lot of great events that take place. Right now, we're in the middle of Holy Week as our timeline goes in the scriptures. We see that Jesus is, is having more and more confrontations with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and many of the others. But there's others that come up that, that offer kind of these examples on how it is to, to be a part of the kingdom. Because in this section, we're really looking at what it means for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth and those who are disciples on how to live. And he teaches them in parable after parable. But there's always these examples that pop up. You ever story, heard the story of the rich young man? You may call him the rich young ruler because we're actually putting two different perspectives together and meshing them because one's in Matthew's and one's in this other one and, and we kind of blend things together. But in Matthew, it talks about the rich young man who come to Jesus and asks a question about eternal life. And he talks about uh, the commandments and all these things. And the, the rich young man says, I've done all that. What more must I do to have eternal life? And he says, if you truly want eternal life, go sell your possessions, give them to the poor and follow me, Jesus says. And we know how the story goes. He hung his head because he had great possessions. He wanted to have it, but he wanted to have it on his terms. And then we see the mother's request of John and, and, and James, the sons of Zebedee, said, Lord, I want you to promise me this, that my two boys will be at your right and your left. And we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And with what great fanfare. 
sends his disciples in to go find him a donkey and a, a colt and all this kind of stuff and, and, and all that we see that's great and then people start laying palm branches as he enters town he comes in triumphant as the victor king one who's coming in to go to the throne you know I wonder what his disciples have been thinking they just experience this great mountaintop experience they, they see the power he has to cast out demons where no one else could but then they see the, the confrontations. But in their heart of hearts, they were longing for the day that, that Jerusalem would be that city on the hill, that example for all the other nations to flock to, that they would be justified in leaving all, leaving their, their wives and their children at home so that they may follow Jesus on this mission of His. They are ready to collect their dues. And look how they were just greeted. Look how they were welcomed into this holy city. But it quickly changes. And in the end of chapter 23, verse 37, Jesus laments over Jerusalem. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and the stones, those who are sent to it. How often have I gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then 24 picks up this. It says, Jesus left the temple and going away. When his disciples came to the point out to him, the buildings in the temple, his disciples are seeing all this grandeur. And they're saying, Jesus, do you see these temples, how magnificent they are? Look at the gold and the jewelry, the, the, the jewels that adorn their walls. How wonderful this is for the world to see. But then Jesus answers them and says, see, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be one here left stone upon another that will not be thrown down. 70 AD, the temple is destroyed, completely wiped away. If you go to Jerusalem today, you can go to the Wailing Wall, part of its foundation complex, but you're not gonna see this temple, this temple that, that was built under Solomon and then rebuilt in the second temple period. It's gone, there's a mass, there's a mosque that sits in its place. This holy city, this one that was supposed to be example to all nations is no longer there. But in verse 3 it says, And as he sat at the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. When the disciples didn't understand something, they sure didn't want the others to see that they didn't understand because they were Jesus' boys. They were the ones that were being tasked to bring in this new kingdom, this kingdom of heaven that was inbreaking into this world. And so they were concerned. Jesus just said this grand temple, the one that they marveled at so as they entered Jerusalem that day, that they even pointed out to Jesus all those things that they saw. And he just said it's going to come crumbling down. I mean, what is this, the story of Humpty Dumpty who sat on the wall? And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And so he tell, and says, saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will there be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Lord, how is this all going to take place? What are we supposed to see? What are the signs? What are the things? And Jesus goes on and he says, and Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. 
and they will lead many astray. And you will hear rumors, you will hear wars and of rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For the nations will rise against nations and the kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are but the beginning of birth pains. The beginning of birth pains. Now today we're not going to go into all the details and all the signs that, that you are to look for. If you want a fuller account, come on Wednesday night. We are going through the book of Revelations. Revelations is a whole book that unpacks a lot of these things that Jesus is talking about through the visions and the things that John is sent, sent to see. Vision that he saw. Anyways, you can figure that out. Wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquake. Turn on the news, have you not? These things happened over and over again. They've happened from the day that Jesus left this earth until now. You know, I, I never really got verse 8. And all these but are the beginning of the birth pains. Have you thought about what that means? What these signs are? Is there going to be a clear evidence of this one thing will take place? And we will know that Jesus is intimately coming. He is almost at the door. For years have gone by, tens of years, hundreds of years, centennials, thousands, nearly 2,000 removed from these words. Beginning of birth pains. My wife has had five children. Uh, we just had a recent one, about almost six months old now, I guess. She's shaking her head, so I got that one right. <laughs> Ashley just had one. Birth pains. Now, these signs of birth pains, you'll notice. Guys, you may not have paid attention to, but you may recall some of the stories of when y'all had children. You fathers out there, mothers know this. There's a funny thing called Braxton Hicks. There are these contractions that lead to nothing. But these contractions don't mean you're not going to have a baby. They're just signs that your body's starting to get ready. And there's some women who will labor for days, I'm sorry if that's you, of having contractions and these feelings of getting ready for their bodies and all these changes that go through the miracle that is birth that is so nasty and disgusting to watch. But it is a miracle, and some think it's beautiful. But I've been there five times now, I know. It's not the prettiest thing to go see. But in the process, you will notice, towards the end, it could be months before that baby's born, the signs are beginning. And they get more regular and more regular. And then all of a sudden, a baby is here. You know, there's a story of the stonecutter who had his chisel and his mallet. He had his chisel, tap, tap, tap. A hundred times he tap, 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 tap. A thousand times he tap tap a thousand and one and the rock splits in two. Now what made that rock break? Was it the thousand and one tap? If you believe that's true because that is the one that when he hit it it split apart. You are mistaken because it was all those taps that led up to that. It was the sound of the stone cutter at work bringing about the day when it would be split in two. So Jesus says, these are the beginnings of the birth pains. 
Maybe those wars and rumors of wars and the earthquakes, maybe those are your Braxton Hicks of our day. Maybe we're much further along than that. Jesus goes on to tell them, then they will deliver you up to a tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures till the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will proclaim throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. But he goes on, and so when we see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down and take what is in the house. Let the one who is in the field not turn back for his cloak and alas for the woman who are pregnant and for her who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days are not cut short, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of his elect, those days will be cut short. This is talking about the judgment of God on humanity. For God calls his children home. But if we're honest, if we're honest about our situations in life, we are not living up to the potential God has created us for. There are things that God has placed in our life. There are talents that he's given us that he's designed for his kingdom's use. But we may abuse those. We may not live up to the potential that God has called us home. So if we are honest, if God's judgment is poured out purely on this world, as he says it would from the beginning of time, we would not stand in those days. But because of his son Jesus, and because of the work he did on the cross and the blood at Calvary that washes our sins away, God will limit his judgment on this world to save us. The world will be cleansed in a way like none other. But he plans for us. And then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonder. So as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. There will be those who will work within the church in these last days to lead us astray. To show us where to go that we should not go. To follow where we follow that we should not be. But he says, see, I have told you beforehand. So if they say, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If he says, look, he is in the inner room, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there will the vultures gather. He tells his disciples this before even the temple is destroyed, that they will be a day of great tribulation and persecution. Many of the disciples will give up their lives as martyrs, as witnesses to Christ by their own very blood in this world. But he tells them beforehand 
that the kingdom you are looking for is not coming in the way that you may have thought. There will be great trials and tribulations that this world will see. But be forewarned that when those things happen, remember I said it would be so. And in verse 29 it says, And immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will not the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven a sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will stand out his, send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from the end of the heaven to the other. And the elect will be gathered, but there will be some that will see this tribulation. But God will call them to himself. Then he says in 32, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you will know that summer is near. So also when you see these things, you know that he is near at the very gate. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In this prophecy, in this prediction of future events, Jesus has intermingled for his disciples, those of the near present and those of the far future. For they will see in their very lifetime that this temple come down. Nearly 30 years after these words are spoken, the temple is in ruins. But yet he's also predicting or showing towards the end of the age when all the tribulation and the sun and all this stuff will take place. Because we are in the already not yet period of time. Christ has already come. He has released the prisoners from the bondage of sin that so entangled them. And he has called his elect, those who would be believers. And he's given them a place in this world no matter how dark it may seem. But he's calling them to a heavenly perspective, one that transcends these present evils. And he's looking out and he sends his people, us. He's already sent his disciples out on missions. He has given them authority to do things in his name. He sent them out to the nations. He is already preparing them for what we know as the church. But we're in the not yet period. Christ has brought deliverance, but it's not yet over. Because this gospel message must make it to all nations of every tongue of every language. And then and only then will these things take place. But he says in verse 36, but concerning the day and the hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day of Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So when so will be the coming of the Son of Man. When two men are in, to be in a field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake. Stay awake. For you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. 
In this one chapter, there are these words that are important that show you something over and over again that you need to pay attention to. Therefore is one of those. Immediately is one of these words and concerning. There are more things important in this one chapter that can be done in a single sermon. These are the words that you need to study and ponder and think about and reflect on over a lifetime. If you're looking for the signs to know how long you have, it's like the kid on a road trip with their parents. How much further, Daddy? How much longer do we got to go? And the answer is, son, we haven't even made it to the county line yet. We don't know. I can look at all the things that we see to take place before Christ returns. And I can see them as the, the birth pains of a mother getting ready to deliver her child. It could be minutes, it could be hours, it could be days, it could even be a month away. The signs are already there building and building. Don't let them mislead you to the words that Christ has for us, for the church, for his disciples, those very ones that would take the message from Jerusalem to the ends of the world. Because he tells them, and it is a message that stands for eternity, as he says that his words will not pass away. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know the day of the Lord's coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known in what part of night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let, him, let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is faithful and who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant who his master finds doing, doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if the wicked servant says to himself, Master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on that day that he will not expect him and that hour that he does not know. And he will cut him to pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For God's judgment is real. But it is a part of his great mercy and grace. For in this life, we are given the choice to follow that narrow way that has been set out before us. The one where the world does not go. A path that is not easy, that is full of tribulations and trials. And we have been warned that there will be times where because of the one that we follow, they will be against us. But if we bear up in those days, we will be vindicated. For those who persecute you will have the reward that their life has brought. And for them, it will be judgment. But for those who follow the lamb, the lamb who was slain, who shed his own blood so that we may be released from the burden of judgment, they will be seated in heaven. They will be given an eternal home. 
Which place do you want to sit? Do you think you have time? When you leave here, do you have time to make your things right? Maybe. Maybe you got another 30 years to make this decision. But what I read here today, you don't know. You don't know if that little blood vessel so tiny and so pure will explode and call you home. Or that little piece of plaque will break loose. Or that car with the driver texting on their phone. Or the drunkard. Or a diagnosis. If you're healthy and have all the food that you need, you think the future is long away. But this text points us to the reality that our time is short. It's shorter by the day, shorter by the second, shorter by the hour. Therefore, Jesus tells us, stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. Please join with me in prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the message that you have given us, for the scripture that you left as your witness, for the words that Jesus himself spoke to his disciples to prepare him for the times that are ahead. Lord, following you is not without its challenges, but its rewards are far greater than the alternative. For you will call us home. And the judgment that we deserve, you will pour out because you are a God that is holy and just. And we will be accounted for the way that we live this life. But for those who call on the Lamb, the Lamb who was slain, we will be delivered and we will endure until the end and we will be vindicated. Our lives will be made right and those who looked on us with scorn and shame in this life will receive what they have earned. Likewise, you will, we will receive from the life that we have lived a crown of glory in your place in eternity. It is in your name we pray, amen. And now as we enter our time of invitation, if God has placed a burden in your heart today to get right with him, to follow him as your savior, and you're ready to tell the world about it, please come forward. Maybe you've been visiting First Baptist Church for some time now. Today's the day that you are going to join us as brothers and sisters, no longer just on the edge. But you're going to put your faith and trust with this congregation so that you may be a part of this body, that you may share your gifts and your talents here. Maybe you're simply in need of prayer. Please come forward at this time.